So between our dinner theater and our cake auction, we raised, you gave over $9,000. So here's what that means. If you have a child, there's five kids going to Century Kid, we have 20 students going to Snowbird, what that means is you owe $75 per child, and that is it. That is it. That's all you owe. Just to show you, Center Kid, Center Kid is $350 a student. Snowbird is $450 per student. And all our parents owe is $75 per child. Our five kids going to Center Kid, their parents have already paid a $75 deposit. Parents, you're done. You owe nothing else to send your kids to Center Kid. So thank you, adults, for generously giving. That makes a difference. And I know our kids are going to hear the gospel as a result of that. And so I just wanted to share that with you so we could uh, rejoice together as a church. Let me pray, and then we're going to continue uh, to worship together by singing some hymns. Father, man, it is wonderful to be in this place with brothers and sisters in Christ, heralding the name of Jesus, lifting up the name of Jesus. Father, we have many reasons to celebrate today. You've given us life. We're thankful for that. Today, Lord, is a day that we set aside for Mother's Day, and Father, we're thankful. I'm thankful for my mom. I'm thankful for uh, my mother-in-law. I'm thankful for my wife, but I'm also thankful for each of the women here. Many of them are moms, and they have children. Some of them don't, and in many ways, they, they serve as moms to these kids or aunts to them, grandmothers to our children. So, Father, I'm thankful for each of them and, and the way that they love on our students and on our kids, their willingness to support them. Thank you, Father, for that. Thank you, God, for the generosity of this church to raise money for camp so that parents don't have to fork out that much money to send their students to camp or their kids to camp where they're going to sing songs about Jesus and hear the gospel of Jesus proclaimed and, and build stronger relationships with other students and kids in this church. Thank you for them, Father. Thank you that we have the freedom to, ga to gather and to worship, to lift up the name of Jesus. Thank you that you have saved us and rescued us and delivered us. Thank you that you have set us apart. Thank you, Father, that you've given us a testimony and that you've said to us we are to be lights out into this dark world. Thank you that through the Holy Spirit that indwells us, we can be changed and transformed, and we can walk as children of light. Father, help us to understand what that means this morning as we open your word. We give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, would you stand and let's worship together.
Amen, amen. Thank you, choir. All right, at this time, our children are going to make their way out to Children's Church. So we got our pre-K and then our kindergarten through second grade. While they're making their way out, Travis, I just got a message. They said that they can't hear online. I don't know if that's fixable or not, but just, uh, just letting you know that. Appreciate you all back there. All right, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 7 through 14. I wonder if you have ever been in a place, and you would describe that place as complete and total darkness. Complete and total darkness. I can think of two. I think one, I maybe have shared both of these before. Um, one is back when we were in high school, we went to Mammoth Caves. We got to go into the cave, and they take you in so far, right, where you can't see the light outside, and they give you a heads up. They turn off all the lights, right? And you talk about just pitch blackness. I mean, just you're in there, and what seems like minutes and hours is a matter of seconds, but it's just dark. So physical darkness, but then I can also think of a time in which I felt spiritual darkness and it was on our mission trip to japan we were staying with some imb missionaries and they took us to one of the buddhist temples right and you're watching people come and go through all their rituals the washing of hands and writing trespasses down on paper and bringing gifts to the priest and massive statues to buddha and there were five of us and we're just walking through there we're quiet and when we all walked out we all agreed we just felt darkness, like spiritual sin, the absence of God. I mean, it was, it was eerie. You just felt that spiritual darkness. In our verses this morning, the Apostle Paul speaks of darkness, but he also speaks of light. And he mentions light, in fact, five times. And so I, I want you to notice this morning three truths, three points, and then three points of application, verses 7 through 14, would you please take your copy of God's Word and stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Beginning in verse 7, this is the Word of God. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You may be seated. Three truths. Number one, let's jump right in. Number one, we are to walk. We are to walk as children of light. That's what Paul says in verse 8. Walk, that's peripateo, that's in the imperative. This is a command. He's mentioned the word walk multiple times before. For example, in verse 2, he says walk in love. Now he transitions to walking in light. So in Scripture, we see a light versus darkness motif or theme. You go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 4. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. 
So we see even in God's creation, we have light and we have darkness. You come to Daniel chapter 2, verse 22. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. And then he goes on to say, He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with Him. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. So God is light, there's no darkness in God. John 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will have the light of life. And what we see there is light and life go together. The light, Jesus Christ, gives life to those who believe in him. John Stott writes, darkness here represents ignorance, error, and evil. Darkness, right? The God of this world has blinded us, so we're ignorant. Error, evil is represented by darkness in the scriptures. Light represents truth and righteousness. So light and darkness are opposed. Light representing that which is true and that which is righteous. So, Paul says, walk as children of light. So what is the result of dwelling in God's light? Or what is the result of the light of the world indwelling us? Look what he says, continuing there, verse 9, and in the ESV it's in parentheses, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Think about those words. Good, right, and true. Those all describe who God is. God is good, God is righteous, and God is true. And those of us, as followers of Christ, set apart unto Him, who walk in light, the evidence of that is that within us you will see that which is good, that which is right, and that which is true. So hear me, brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, drastically changes us so that we no longer live in the darkness, but now we walk as children of light. Paul has spent verse after verse, once he comes to chapter 4, talking about how we now walk, how we now live, that we live differently, all because Jesus Christ through the being born again through the Spirit of God, being set apart, right? We are drastically changed. Therefore, because we have been changed, the way we live and walk will be different. And he says we are to walk as light. Walk as light. Point number two. As children of light, do not partner with or take part in darkness. He says, command, we are to walk as children of light. Go back to verse 7. Therefore, in light of what he's just said, do not become partners with him. Do not become partners with who? Well, the last part of verse 6 says the sons of disobedience. So we are not to be partners with sons of disobedience. You go down to verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. He just talked about the fruitful works of light, that which is good and right and true. And now he says take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. That, that, that word take is in the imperative. This is a command. Do not partake in the unfruitful works of darkness. Question, 
Why? Why are we not to partner with sons of disobedience? Why are we not to take part in the unfruitful works of darkness? Look what he says in verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now. That's a theme. Chapter 2, he says, but God. In chapter 2, he says, but now. And he says it again here. But now you are light in the Lord. I want you to notice something. Notice Paul does not say you were in the darkness, but now you are in the light. He doesn't say that. He says at one time you were darkness, now you are light. Right? You're in, you're in light. You're light. And so listening to Martin Lloyd-Jones this week, I was listening to a sermon as I walked the sanctuary and was praying. And when he came to this part in the text, he, he made this observation he says, he says, it's not just that you are in the dark, but that the darkness is in you. He says, you are darkness. You once were darkness. That is, in your heart you were depraved and wicked. It's not just you're living in a dark world, though that's true. He's saying, you yourself are darkness. Cut off from the light when you're apart from God. You are darkness. But notice what he says. But now... Not just you are in the light, like the DC talk song, I want to be in the light, because you are in the light. I got any DC talk fans here? It's true, we can walk in the light, but he's not saying that. He says you are light. Why does he say you are light? Because the light of the world now indwells you. The light of the world now lives in us, therefore you are light. You're light. That is, you have union with Christ. Your union with Christ is what prevents you from taking part or being partners with darkness. So here's Paul's logic. He does this throughout Ephesians. Chapters 1, 2, and 3, the indicative. Chapters 4, 5, and 6, the imperative. So what he says, verse 8, the indicative is you are light in the Lord. That is, that's who you are. Who you are, brothers and sisters, is you are light in the Lord because the light of the world indwells you. Therefore, imperative, how you live is you are to walk as children of light. As Christians, as followers of Christ, right, the light of the world indwelling us, we cannot partner with or take part in darkness. Listen to just some scriptures. These references will be on the screen if you want to write them down. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Time out, side note, that verse has nothing to do with interracial marriage. Nothing. And if you just let the context interpret it itself, it it helps you. Because people have used this to mean white and black people can't marry, people of different nationalities can't, that's not what that's saying. Just listen to what he says. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Are you saying white people are righteous and non-white people are not? No, that is to completely misinterpret that. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what, here it is, or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? That's talking about yoking yourself as a believer to an unbeliever. Right? That's what is at the heart of this. And therefore, those in light cannot partner with and live with, and I would even say marry, right, those in darkness, those who are unbelievers. Now, if that's the setting in which you find yourself, you aren't to go get a divorce. 
Or you're to love your spouse, you're to pray for them, but, but don't misinterpret what he says when he says don't be unequally yoked with believers. He continues, 1 John 1, 6, For if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So to say, man, I'm in the light, Christ is in me, and yet I'm going to live in this sinful, ignorant, evil way, man, it does not jive with each other. So when Paul says, do not become partners with him, or take no part in, what does he mean? Does he mean, as some have interpreted this, and they go to the extreme, does he mean that you are to have no relationships and no contacts with unbelievers? Because you are not to partner with or partake in in darkness. Does that mean we as Christians just live in our holy huddle, just making sure it's only believers, we only talk to believers, we only go out to eat with believers, we only fellowship with believers because we want nothing to do with darkness. That's what some people do. They completely try to pull away, but that's not what he's saying. How do we know this? Because you are called, no, let me rephrase that, you are commanded to go make disciples. If we're going to go make disciples, what that really means is we're going to go find lost people, unbelieving people who have never given their life to Jesus. We're going to share the gospel with them. We're going to try to point them to Jesus so that when they come to faith in Jesus, we then help them grow and mature in their walk with Jesus. I love gathering with brothers and sisters. We need this. And I'll go on to say that should be your closest friendships. But lost people need the Lord. And so we are to go to them. Now here's the thing. When we go, in order to witness to the world, that means we have to go out into the world. And you will not get very far when you say, I've got to go witness to lost people and the lost people out in the world. You're not going to get very far into the world before you come in contact with what? Sin and sinners. If you go into the world, you're going to find sin and you're going to find sinners because they're in the world. So, what that means, to not partner or partake in these things, means when you come in contact with sin and sinners, their sins should not take hold of you. The sins that they participate in, you should not say, hey, well, let me participate in these sins as well. No, because you're light seeking to shine the light in the darkness. We are to be the light of the world. We are to be the salt of the earth. We are to love people. We are to befriend people. I think we should listen to people to see where they are and then seek to share the gospel with them where they are. But, but, but we do not participate in the sins of unbelievers. Reading through commentaries, I came across a quote by Richard Koken that I thought was very helpful. He says, one aspect of Christian maturity is to be intentional about what influences we accept. To be very intentional about what influences we accept into our life. And so I believe with all of my heart that your closest friendships, the closest people in your life outside of family, because obviously family forms first, and you may have some family who's not believers, but outside of that, the closest friendships in your life should be like-minded brothers and sisters in Christ. Those should be the people that you do life with that you're around the most. That's why I believe with all of my heart, you can't do that showing up for one hour a week. You've got to be involved. A Sunday school class, super helpful. That through that, you can do life with one another. Or a small group outside, or just building friendships. Maybe people that go to the same school, or work in the same field that you work in, in the church, and you just have those natural relationships. Those are the people that you do life with. But there are going to be people 
in your workplace, even at your school, who are unbelievers, who are going to need a friend. That doesn't mean you've got to go hang out at the parties that they go to on the weekends. But that means you're there, a friend to them. Maybe you take them out to lunch, just you and them. And you just, hey, I'm a friend. I want to be here for you. I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. Right? Those people need Jesus. And if we're going to walk in the light, then we have to shine the light where they are. Young folks, students, we don't have as many of you today. One of the most important decisions you will make in your life, and it starts now, is who your friends become. One of the most important decisions you make. The most important is are you going to give your life to Jesus? The second most important is who's going to influence you? Because either they're going to make you more like Jesus or they're going to pull you away from Jesus. The most important decisions you can make. Be careful who you surround yourself with. And wherever you are, shine the light. Don't participate or partake in the darkness in that which is against God. Number three, as children of light, we are to expose the darkness and sin. It's not enough, he says, just don't participate. But then he says, we are to live our lives as the light so that we expose their sin. That's what he says in 11, right? Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. And we're living in 2022 when the sins that people used to do in secret now are public. Like you know all about celebrities and their sins and how they live their life. But some people still try to keep those sins p- secret. And there are some things we just shouldn't be talking about publicly. But he says we are to live to expose them. So John chapter 3, 19 through 20. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. People love the darkness because in the darkness their sins can stay hidden. But when the light of the gospel shines upon their hidden sins, right, something's got to happen. You think of 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Unbelievers are blinded to the truth of their sin. They're blinded to their need for Jesus. They can't see the light of the gospel. So what does Paul say? We are to live our lives in such a way that the darkness, their sins, are exposed. Now to do this, I think you need two things. Number one, I think you must speak the gospel. You must speak the truth of the gospel. I I don't think that means you're just going down the road, hey, you're a sinner, this is your sin. I don't think it's that. But I think in relationship, when you build that relationship, you are going to call people to repentance and to say, hey, I love you, but the way you're living is sinful and opposed to God. So we do that through our mouth. But we also need to understand that we do that by our walk. You are called to live as children of God the light. Your lives have been changed through the power of the Spirit. So that when you live a changed life, you are not saying, hey, look how different I am. But what you're really saying is, let me show you the power of God who has changed me. Because I was wretched and lost and an unbeliever. And He has changed me. And I believe He can change you. Just by living differently, your light's going to shine. People are going to notice something different about you. You don't even have to say anything sometimes. They're just going to know by the way you live your life. Matthew 5, 14. You're the light of the world. Let your light shine before others. Let your light shine. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
Philippians 2.15, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. If we're going to shine as lights, we have to hold fast to God's word. And look what else Paul says. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. I remember when I was in middle school and high school, I lived in, in the basement of my house, and I had a pretty decent-sized room, and it'd get pretty dark in there at night. And so I, I remember my brother, my cousin, Kyle, a couple other friends, we'd get in that room, and here's what we'd do. We were young kids, and it was ignorant, but it was fun. We would, we would take socks. You know, you can take socks. You can roll them up pretty tight. And we would turn the lights off, and we would say, go. And we would just start firing socks at each other. Now, socks don't hurt too bad unless your eyes wide open and one hits you directly in the eye. That stings a bit. But, man, we, we did. I thought about bringing some socks right now and just start throwing them right at you guys. But we had a lot of fun. Listen, when you turn the lights on, that game wasn't near as fun. Because you could see them coming. Like, you could catch them. Turn the lights off. It's hidden. Can't see. And we pelt each other. It's no fun in the light. Listen. We like our sins hidden. We like them secretive. Our pastor doesn't know. Our deacon doesn't know. Our Sunday school teacher doesn't know. Our boss doesn't know. Our spouse doesn't know. Our kids don't know. And in the dark, it's really easy to live that kind of life. But we don't live in the dark. We live among the light. And when the light shines, Paul says, your sins that you do in the dark are going to be exposed. They're going to be exposed. And so we walk as children of light. We proclaim the good news of the gospel because we believe that when unbelievers see the glory of the gospel of Christ, they will be changed. Amen? Anybody believe that? That when they see the power of Christ, their lives will be changed. And so we want to live as children of light. We want to walk that way. We want to proclaim the gospel because we believe God still has the power to change unbelievers living in the dark. So let the light shine. Let the light shine. So those are my three points. Let me give you three points of application. These three points are applicable to anyone, but it is Mother's Day, and so let me just speak to you moms. Again, you can, any, these points apply to any of us, but just kind of generally, specifically apply them to moms. Simple, simple points of application, but just we need to be reminded of. Number one is simply this. You are light. Moms, you are light. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, the light of the world indwells you. You are light. So hear me, moms. Shine bright for Jesus. Exhaust yourselves to the point where all you're doing is let me show you Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Can I point you to Jesus? When your kids fail, let me tell you about Jesus. If you get something right, man, it was all because of Jesus. Like continually just bring your kids to Jesus. Model the gospel for them. When you blow it, you go to them, right? You get on your knee and say, hey, I sinned. I blew it. But listen, Jesus forgives me. I've asked him to forgive me, and I'm coming and I'm asking you to forgive me. We need to model that for our kids. Teach them the gospel as often as you can point them back to jesus right point your kids to jesus man we're all living for something all of you have certain things you want to see in your children man live your life so that your kids come to know 
said, man, my mom, my dad, man, my grandparents, they love Jesus. They're not perfect, but they love Jesus, and they always kept pointing me to Jesus. Man, they were shining bright for Jesus Christ their whole life. Parents, that's worthy giving ourselves to. Number two, number two is this, live to please the Lord. I skipped a verse intentionally. I'm, I'm going to come back to it right here, right now, verse 10. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Live to please the Lord. Moms, anyone else in here? Find your identity. Now, something Gary has been teaching our youth here these, just in this last month as he started is to find your identity, to find your rest in Christ and in Christ alone. Seek with all of your heart to please Him. Seek to glorify Him. Seek to follow Him. And call your children to do the same. But I want you to believe in Jesus. I want you to follow Jesus. I want you to trust Jesus with all of your heart. This is important. So I'm going to hang out here for a minute. So just bear with me. Keep, keep hanging on. You are a follower of Christ first and foremost. When you say, who am I? First and foremost, you're a follower of Christ, a child of God, if you've given your life to Jesus. First and foremost. And then, as you live your life, first and foremost, you should be about pleasing God, about pleasing the Son, Jesus Christ. So, first and foremost, you are a follower of Christ who seeks to please the, who seeks to please the Lord. And then, it just so happens, by God's providence, that you might be a mom. You are not a mom, first and foremost. You're a follower of Christ, seeking to please the Lord, who happens to be doing that in a season of your life where you're a mom, or you're a dad, or you're a grandparent. But being a mom doesn't define you, because your kids can be taken from you. Being a dad doesn't define you. It's a follower of Christ. That's who you are. You're a follower of Christ, who seeks to please the Lord. And you may happen to be in a season of life where you're a student. So students... Seek to follow Christ and please Him in your pursuit of your education when you're at school. You may so happen to be a teacher or a nurse or a pilot or a pastor. So in that, that's not what defines you. You're a follower of Christ seeking to please the Lord and you so happen to do brain surgery. So do it for the glory of God. And please get a good night's sleep and be well rested when you do that, right? Do it for the glory of God. You're a follower of Christ who seeks to please the Lord, who may happen to be married. Or maybe you're single. Or maybe you're widowed. But that doesn't define you. You're a follower of Christ, seeking to please the Lord. Some of you walking through the difficult pain of having to do it as a widow. Some of you single. You want nothing more to be married. Some of you are married, and maybe your marriage isn't what you want it to be. But there you are. Seek to follow Christ and to please Him. You're a follower of Christ who seeks to please the Lord, and maybe you happen to be a Sunday school teacher, or you work in the nursery, or you're an upward coach, or you're a deacon, or you sing in the choir. That's ultimately not who you are, but seek to do that for the glory of God as you seek to follow Him. Seek to please the Lord in all of your life. And number three, only Jesus Christ can change you, and He can change your child. Only Jesus Christ can change you. There is so much hope right here in verse 8, and it's simply the words, but now. But now. But God, but now. This is the hope 
of the gospel. Let me just give you some scripture. John chapter 1, 4 through 5. In him was life, and the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Look, the people are going to want to resist it, but the light has shined, and the darkness will not win. Amen? Christ will win. 1 Peter 2, 9. Listen to this. That you may proclaim... He has talked about how we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. And then he says, that you, the reason you are that is that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Proclaim the excellencies of Christ. Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Listen to Acts 26.18. This is the apostle Paul recounting on the road to Damascus, and what Jesus said to him. He said, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Listen, Mother's Day can be hard sometimes because some of you have children who have wandered away from the Lord. Or maybe you have children who haven't quite given their life to the Lord yet, and you're just, your heart's heavy, you're burdened for them. Or maybe it's just because being a parent is stinking hard work. And the older they get, the harder it gets. And as a mom, as a dad, as a grandparent, right, you begin to see things in them, and you would do anything for them. Anybody relate to that? As a mom and a dad, you would do anything for your kids. You would more than gladly take their anxiety away from them. You would be more than glad to take their depression away from them. To take their addictions away from them. To take their suicidal thoughts away from them. To fix their pain. To fix their insecurity. To mend the broken heart when that girl or boy dumps them and they're devastated. Like you would do anything to mend their broken heart or to open their eyes to see the truth. But here's the hard reality of being a parent. You can't do any of that. You can't. You can pray, you can encourage, but you cannot reach down into them and say, I'm taking this for you. You can't do it. So here's what I want to emphasize with this point. You can't, but God can. God can, moms. God can, dads. And some of you, you're sleepless nights. I mean, you're so burdened for your kids. In this moment, you hold fast to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know how I know that? Because he's done it for you, amen? He's changed you. And the power of God is there to change your children. So don't give up. Because I believe he stands ready right now to rescue them if they would just take their eyes and turn and see Jesus. So don't ever stop fighting for the hearts of your children. Don't ever stop praying for them. Don't ever stop encouraging them. Don't ever stop loving on them. And don't ever stop shining the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ before them. Because God is able. He's able. Here's how I want to close the sermon. Look at verse 14. I haven't got there yet. For anything that becomes visible is light. Then he says this, therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Just hang on for just a couple more minutes, and then we'll, we'll end. Commentaries believe that this verse, verse 14, is a compilation of several Old Testament texts 
Isaiah 60, verse 1 being one of them. But other commentaries note that this more than likely could have been an ancient hymn that the early believers would have sang. Again, a compilation of Old Testament hymns, but they would have sang this hymn. Specifically, they would have sang it at baptisms. Somebody's baptism, they would have said, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's break that down quickly. Awake, O sleeper, the sinner who is asleep, the sinner who is dead in their sins. This is an imperative. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. This is a call to repentance. This is a call to turn from their dead ways of sin and to turn to Jesus. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. And look at this. And Christ will shine on you. This is our hope. This is the good news of the gospel. That the light of the world can shine into the darkest depths of our heart and our soul. And through the new birth, through being born again, we can be changed. Shine the light. Shine the light. May the light of Christ shine upon a dark, unbelieving world. A dark, unbelieving world that does not want you to call sin what it is and to expose their sin. And they will get angry. And they will be vicious. And we have seen that this past week all over the potential Roe v. Wade overturn. The anger. We walk as children of light. We don't react that way. We don't respond that way. But you will see. You have a choice. You can be popular or you can be faithful. I don't think you can be both. If you want to be popular, students, you're not going to be faithful to God's Word. If you want to be faithful to God's Word, you're probably not going to be popular. So be faithful. Live as lights. And let me close this way. The choir again this morning talks about, talk, saying about how Jesus lived. I was thinking this week about Jesus calling Lazarus forth from the dead. You remember the story, right? It's been four days. Jesus comes, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Now, in that is a command. That this man who is inside this cold, dark cave is to come forth. There's a command, but I also want you to understand that the one who gives the command also must give the power to obey. You could have stood there and said, come on, Lazarus, come on, come out, buddy. Man, your sisters are really distraught. Come on out. And it would have done no good. Because you have no power to bring somebody back from the dead. But Jesus Christ, on the other hand, not only gives the command and the call to come forth, but he also supplies the power. He enables Lazarus to come out of the grave. So hear me as we close. God calls you to salvation. And if he calls you, he will empower you to believe. God calls you to live as a light to the world. And if he calls you to live that way, you better believe he's going to empower you to live as the light. He calls you to live differently. And if he's going to call you to live differently, he will empower you to live differently. He has, for some of you, given you the gift of being a mother. And if he's going to call you to be a mother, he will empower you to be the mother that points her kids to Jesus Christ. So church, walk as children of light. Why? Because that's exactly who you are. Because you once were darkness. But now, you are light in the Lord. Therefore, in light of that, 
be who God says you are. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Just a moment, we're going to sing a song of commitment, a song of invitation, and the invitation to you this morning is simple. Have you come into the light? Has the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ shined into your hearts, exposing your sin, and have you come to the place where you repented of your sin and believed in the name of Jesus? If you haven't, that's the invitation to you. Whether you're watching online or in this place, is to say, Jesus, I am in the darkness. I am darkness. Sin is in me, and I deserve hell. I'm cut off from you, but Jesus, I'm calling upon you right now to rescue me and save me from hell. If you have done that, Praise the Lord. Then the challenge is this. Are you walking as children of light? If not, if there is sin and darkness that is still in you, sins that are hidden, bring them to light. Confess them, turn from them, repent of them, and begin to walk out and to live out who you are, which is a follower of Christ. And then moms, dads, grandparents, brothers and sisters who just love on people here in the church, if you know somebody in your family, man, who is falling into addiction, who is enslaved, who is just burdening your heart, will you recommit this morning to keep fighting for their very heart and soul? Praying for them, to loving them, to encouraging them. The altar is always open. You can fall on your knees and pray. You can ask somebody, hey, come pray with me. You don't even have to tell them why. Just, hey, come pray with me. Would you fervently lift up that person who has burdened your heart, doesn't even have to be a family member, an unbeliever that's living in the darkness, and will you say, Jesus, help me to live as the light and to speak the glory of the gospel so that they might be saved. Father, as we sing this final song of commitment, we gathered to make much of your name. Your name has been proclaimed. I pray faithfully, I pray boldly and accurately. Now, Spirit of God, would you take the words that left my mouth Would you apply them to the hearts of the hearers? And would you give them the power to obey? Help us, oh God, to be faithful because we fall far short. Forgive us where we fail. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and let's worship together. Lord, I come. I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you.
Just a couple moments. I want to present uh, a mom and a daughter to you. So, if you all come up here. So, when it comes to joining Northside, right, we, we try to have conversations and we follow up those conversations. And then we have a new members class that we encourage them to go through. And so, this morning is just to kind of let you know this is the work that God's doing in their hearts and, and they want to follow in those next steps. And then, when it comes to our next business meeting, that's when we present them and kind of officially take care of all that business. So who we have this morning, though, if you don't know, is Chelsea and Emily Schride. Did I get that right? So they've been, uh, yeah, you can clap, you can applaud. Yes, you can applaud. The work's doing. So we had some conversations, uh, Mom and I, and then Emily and I had conversations separate, and it's clear that God's doing a work in their heart. And so we just want you to be aware of that, where their heart and their desire is, and we'll continue to encourage them support them. Um, others, maybe you're thinking about doing the same thing. I encourage you to come just talk to me and we can begin to talk about those next steps. So again, if you rejoice, both are believers, both have followed him in believers baptism. They, they were members as it's South, Southwest, which is some, I don't know which way, that way, that way, <laughs> right up the road, Southwest Christian. And so uh, they're just coming to share that decision uh, with you this morning. So we rejoice in that. Thank you all. So before you leave, you guys can go have a seat. Yes, we can rejoice again. Y'all can be seated. Before you make your way out to get flowers, if you just want to stop by and just encourage them and just continue to pray uh, for them. Uh, it's Mother's Day. Hopefully you'll spend some time, if you're able, if your mother's still living, uh, with, with your mom. Uh, we don't have any evening activities tonight. Gary is going to come uh, do our benediction for us. So Gary, if you'll come. While he's coming, let's just praise the Lord for a moment. I know some of you are hungry and you're ready to go eat, but um, most of you aren't aware. Some of you through Wednesday nights have been aware that this past Thursday, Gary and Ruth closed and sold their home in Ringgold. <laughs> so as of this moment, they are homeless until tomorrow about 1 o'clock when they will become homeowners of a, of a home in Palmetto. And so they close on that home uh, tomorrow. Also, be in prayer for them. This is a busy week for them because on Friday, Gary graduates from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville. So, uh, so they'll be doing all that next weekend, so he won't be with us uh, next weekend, but we just want to celebrate and, and rejoice in that, and it's just amazing to see how God has worked and moved and uh, just been a, a great month and a half of getting to know him and, and working with him. So if you'll stand, Gary's going to do the benediction for us. Let's receive the benediction from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and all God's children says, Amen. Amen.